I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck has foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd alert! Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting, and welcome to another brand new Nerd Alert. This week, it's going to be a fun episode, because Commander Scott's not here, so Dad's not home, and we can do whatever we want. We climbed up on the booze cabinet, and we got out the R-rated movies that Mom won't let us touch, and we're going to have crazy good times until dad gets home again and then hope he doesn't find out what's going on right jay yeah yeah that's that's yeah. the theme of this show is dad's not home right we're just running wild <laughs> uh that those uh dulcet tones you hear that seductive voice that you're hearing is my sole and only co-host for the show this week uh joining us from somewhere in time and space perhaps via a delorean maybe a phone booth Maybe a random blue police call box. I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the doc. I got I got a good one for you. I got a good okay. one for you this week, Obi John, to get okay. us primed for our subject. Oh, here we go. You ready? Give it to me. I'm ready, man. Check it out. I'm the ultimate badass. State of the badass art. You do not want to fuck with me. Check it out. Hey Ripley, don't worry. Me and my squad of ultimate squad badasses, of ultimate badasses will, protect, will you. protect you. Check it out. Independent targeting particle beam phalanx. Whack! Fry half, half a city with this puppy. We got tactical smart missiles, phase plasma pulse rifles, RPGs. We got sonic electronic ball breakers. Ball breakers. We got nukes. We got knives, sharp sticks. Hudson stole that shit. Man, such a great speech. <laughs> now questions? we just have to have a brief moment for Bill Paxton. Rest in peace, sir. Oh. Uh, All right. Good quote. Jay. Any Good quote. Any questions? How do I get out of this chicken shit outfit? <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is a right. stand-up fight or another bug hunt. Okay, welcome to <laughs> John and Jay quote Hudson. <laughs> Uh, it's hey, gonna be a large show. Hey Sarge, you'll get lip cancer smoking those. <laughs> uh, just let this way. Uh, okay, no, we're actually gonna do this. So, 
<laughs> Before we start, though, even though Dad's not home, even though Commander Scott's not here, it wouldn't be us if we didn't try to educate you. So, Jay, are you ready for today's nerdy fact? Because I think I got a good one for you. I'm I'm ready. I am I am okay. Prime. Okay. Okay. Have you ever heard the name Bob Ballard? I have not. Okay. Okay. Don't worry about it. So thanks to YouTube's having a weird algorithm, I randomly this whole week have been down a full-on freaking rabbit hole about the Titanic. I don't okay. mean the James Cameron movie. I don't don't mean the James Cameron movie because it's me and I love James Cameron. But uh, I, that was why I fell asleep watching YouTube and I woke up several hours later and some National Geographic uh, uh, documentary from like 1993 about the Titanic was playing. And rather than me like trying to shit off and go to sleep, I was like, huh, well, that's interesting. So I've been down a whole rabbit hole. But the reason I bring up the name Bob Ballard is the man who in 1985 discovered the wreck of the Titanic. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, Robert Ballard, he's sometimes called to you. He goes by Bob Ballard to his friends. We're best friends. I listened to his lecture on YouTube. Um, but so we all know ostensibly the story. Yeah, they went out and they found the wreckage of the Titanic, uh, even though they were the fourth expedition to attempt it. Uh, they were the ones who, who found it. Jay, have I got a story for you? Because this oh. shit just got declassified like 15 years ago, so we can talk about it now without killing people. Okay, okay. So the the way they found the Titanic was a com sorry, combination of like advanced sonar that allowed them to map the seafloor and um uh, remote control bottom sea bottom rovers. The technology to do that was developed by uh, 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 Bob Ballard and his team. They were funded by the US Navy. And I know what you're thinking. That's kind of weird. What does the Navy care about a, a, a passenger liner that sunk in 1912? And the answer is they didn't. They funded Bob Ballard and his research uh, in a top secret, uh, now revealed uh, thing that they wanted this research and this technology to be able to locate two missing naval submarines. Oof. And not just missing naval subs, missing missile naval subs. But they did not want the Russians to know there were two missile subs missing at sea. So the cover for the whole thing was supposed to be, we're going to help them find the Titanic. So <laughs> they went on this expedition, which was a 60-day exp expedition. Sorry. Ballard and his team uh, did their job for the Navy in 48 days and had then 12 days left to meet up with a French team that was kind of pre-prepping the search area for the Titanic for them. And in on day nine of their last 12 days, they discovered the uh, debris field that led them to the Titanic. Wow. Which, which pissed off the Navy because the whole point was supposed to be this technology was for a failed expedition to find the Titanic. Nobody would know about it. Nobody would care about it. And then all of a sudden, they made international headlines because they found the Titanic. <laughs> so, whoopsies. I think I think Scott and I were making jokes about this at, at uh, LCTC. Oh. <laughs> saying that, like, 
because he had mentioned something about this, but I didn't know the full details of the story. And I said, oh, how would you like to be the sonar guy for the Navy? That's like, oh, pretending to find the Titanic, pretending to find the Titanic, and then getting a signature return and going, oh, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> we found it. We actually found it. Damn it. Well, and the, the funny part is the they found the Titanic because of uh, search techniques they honed finding those two subs. If they weren't, if they hadn't been out looking for those two subs, that that changed the way they were looking for debris on the seafloor because they they weren't initially looking for a debris field. They were they were looking for the Titanic. Uh, previous expeditions were so in in their research of finding the subs. What they realized is that it's it's much easier and gives you a much uh, a bigger area to or sorry a much more um, um, like target rich area to search if you look for the debris field. And then follow the debris field back to the body of the ship. And that's only because they had done that twice to find these subs when they came back to meet up. Because there was also a, a French um, uh, aspect of the expedition that was like pre-mapping the search area for the Titanic. Um, like ahead of uh, Bob Ballard and his team meeting back up with them again. Um, so when they got back to then, they only had 12 days left. And that's when Bob Ballard said, okay, forget what we've been trying to do. Let's try the thing we did with the subs. Let's look for the debris field first and then and then let that uh, hone us in. Uh, and that's how they ended up finding it. So uh, nice. I, there's just one of those things where, again, I, I found a uh, there's a great um, seminar Bob Ballard did at the Rhode Island Institute of something or other. Um, and, and I watched it and he, he talks about this story. He's like, you know, I can say this now because it's declassified. Um, but and it's just like, holy shit, that's awesome. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but that has nothing to do with today's topic. I'm sorry. I just I had to be Scott Cox and derail us a bit uh, so I could talk about my latest obsession. So Not a big deal. Thank you for indulging me. And Commander Scott, if you're listening to this, I hope I've done you proud, sir. Um, maybe not as proud as that trivia question I got last week about Star Trek, but whatever. Uh, so no, <laughs> what, we are, what we are actually here to do this week uh, it's a topic only Jay and myself could do because this is something that Jay and I are both hardcore nerds about. Yeah. Uh, what's cooler than awesome futuristic guns and badass looking armor and giant mega space fleets? Nothing. The answer is nothing. That no, is I was going to say awesomeness. There, so here's Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I was drawing a complete blank. I'm like, ah. like I don't know where you're going with this, John. You just named everything that was cool. Uh, fighting vaguely insectoid-like aliens on a planet far away with a giant futuristic gun. And yeah, nothing, nothing is cooler than that. Uh, so this week we're here to settle a long debate. Which futuristic army is cooler? Uh, and we're going to go through a few of them. Uh, and here's, we've got some criteria we're going to kind of rank them on. And we'll give them a score, and then at the end, we'll add up all the scores and see which futuristic military uh, is the coolest. Uh, I've got notes prepped for three. I think Jay's got at least one more. So I've, I've got two. Okay, awesome. Well, then I'm going to kick it off, if you don't mind. Yep, 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 yep. Because I think when it comes to your future space military, there's one place you've got to start. Because for better or worse, it's kind of 
the first on this list, maybe not time wise or timeline wise, but uh, it sort of set the bar for a future milit- futuristic military, uh, and both the the the, the, the con- concept and the the design of it and the implication of it. And it's one of those things where you think futuristic military in your mind kind of jumps right to this, and that is, of course, <clears throat> the USCM, aka the Colonial Marines. As seen in 1986's Aliens, perhaps the greatest movie ever made. It's not Blade Two, but perhaps the greatest <laughs> movie ever made. Um, or if you're a kid, the Space Marines. Uh, but no, these are full on the Colonial Marines from Aliens. Um, first thing we're going to break down is their armor. Um, so category one, armor. What are they wearing? Well, well, I'm glad you asked. Let me answer that, John. Well, thank you, John. No, not a problem, John. (laughs) The M3 pattern personal armor in conjunction with the M10 ballistic helmet is what keeps your colonial Marines safe from harm, mostly. Um, (laughs) This consists of a vest, uh, (laughs) an abdomen piece. Sorry, Um, mostly. It keeps them mostly safe. Mostly. Mostly. I'm getting to that. (laughs) I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real. I'm trying to be unbiased. Um, So you've got your vest, your hardened vest, your shoulder pieces. Your legs are covered with the, uh, the, what do they call them, greaves. Uh, You then got, uh, sorry, that is all made of layered titanium with ceramic polymers. Uh, Then you've got your ballistic helmet, which is made of the same material. It incorporates uh, comms via a mic and a transmitter a full motion camera uh, and an eyepiece locked into the camera that allows you to see it through the infrared on the camera. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, Not bad. Then we're going to, we'll swing back and go through plus and minuses on these in a bit. I'm just going to kind of spit all this out and we'll swing back around to it. So armor, number one, there you go. That's what they got for touching them. Then the nuts and bolts, the real meat and potatoes, uh, of what's going to be this show. The Arsenal. Mm. What are they packing? And for this Ooh. one, I am trying to limit myself uh, to just stuff we see on screen. I'm not including shit from video games or comic books or anything else like that. Action figures. We're just going to what did we see in the 86 film? Jay, let me reintroduce you to a close personal friend of mine. This is the M41A pulse rifle. It has a 10 millimeter explosive tip caseless ammo. 99 around magazine, full auto fire with an attached over under pump, over under pump action, 30 millimeter grenade launcher with four round magazine. <clears throat> Feel the weight. Uh, <laughs> that is the workhorse of the Colonial Marines. Um, it is perhaps the sexiest goddamn gun ever made for a movie. Um, staring at it at my wall right now, just kind of drooling over it. Uh, but it's got everything you'd want, man. It's a full auto uh, uh, machine gun with a grenade pump action grenade launcher built into it. Uh, it's got that handy dandy digital ammo counter, so you can let everybody know how much ammo you've got left. Uh, <laughs> it's got the uh, extendable buttstock, so you can you know custom fit it to yourself, or you can use it in like a more carbine mode. Uh, then we're gonna jump to what I know Jay gets out of bed for in the morning the m56 smart gun uh, it's a 10 by 28 millimeter caseless ammo 500 round drum magazine 1200 rounds per minute mounted on a self-aiming stabilized mount 
aka a steady cam arm. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, has an auto targeting system. Uh, this so if, if your M41A is your squad weapon, uh, then you have your rifleman's weapon. Everyone carries this. The smart gun is your squad automatic weapon. It's the big dog that puts down heads while your squad maneuvers around it. Uh, we've then got a random assortment of other stuff. I'm gonna run through quickly. We've got the 88 mod four combat pistol, uh, aka the Heckler and Coke, or is it Heckler and Koch? Heckler and Coke. The HK VP70, because it looked futuristic at the time. Uh, a 1911 derivative style pistol, uh, pump action shotgun for close encounters. Yep. Uh, the M240 incinerator. You've got your handy dandy automatic motorized sentry guns, your motion trackers, and let's not forget the M40 grenades. Uh, that is the arsenal of the Damn. as seen. Yeah, not too shabby, right? Not too Damn. shabby. Yeah, Not too shabby. So let me jump to the vehicles. Uh, you got to get to the to wherever you're going. How are you going to get there? In style. First, you're going to get there in your uh, troop transport vessel. In this case, that is the uh, USS Sulaco. Sulaco, however you want to pronounce it. I'm not going to correct you on it. Don't know a whole lot about this ship, honestly, to be, to, to be honest with you. We know I've got, it has a communications array. We know I've got some weapons on it. Uh, we know it has the capacity to nuke a planet from orbit. We never see it actually get to do that, though. That would um, be sweet. I know it would. Uh, so we're not entirely sure what this thing is capable of. Uh, but to get from that to the planet, you've got your UD-4 Cheyenne dropship. An express elevator to hell going down. <laughs> we told you we we're going to be quoting Hudson all day. Uh, <laughs> this is used to uh, not only de- deploy your unit from the uh, transport ship to the surface of the planet, but also provides air support uh, while they're doing stuff on the ground. It's got a plethora of armament. Uh, it's got a, uh, a rotary cannon under the nose, and it's got... Uh, just a shit ton of missiles on the wings. <laughs> just uh, a few. It's just a few. It's not many. It's just a I couple. question the aerodynamics of that giant block of missiles at the end of the wings, but damn, does it look cool when they unfold. Um, and then, of course, uh, once you get from your troop transport into your dropship down to the surface of the planet, you'll be arriving to the combat zone in style with your M577 APC. Uh, which has crew of, or space for 12, including a driver and co-pilot, and then your 12-man squad, uh, including all of your communications gear and all that good stuff. So, what you're wearing, what you're shooting, how you get in there. Uh, our next category is a little vague. The skills we see for the Colonial Marines seem to be mostly small man, or sorry, saw small squad tactics. Yeah, uh, they roll in into platoon. They break out into to squads. They break out from squads to three men fire teams, um, consisting of uh, incinerator unit, rifleman, and a rifleman with a uh, motion tracker. Um, mostly search and rescue tactics. They're colonial marines. They are the enforcement for the colonial system. Uh, colonies, in this case, being other planets. Uh, they're a colonial security force. So lots of search and rescue, uh, skirmishes on planet, things like that. Um, and then the last thing is X, X factor, which is anything about them that can't easily be defined. Um, and for that, I put down camaraderie, uh, 
because these people have been through the meat grinder together and they will do things for each other. And uh, one thing I have to comment back on is just the overabundance of toys these guys have to play with. Uh, <laughs> so I'd like to get me some more of that Arturian Poontang. The one you had was a male. Hey, it don't matter when it's Arturian, baby. <clears throat> and if you think this recording is going to stop when we switch to a different army, you're wrong. Um, so <laughs> that's what they're working with. Let's just swing back around and kind of look at this with a critical eye. We'll start yeah. back at armor. Jay, uh, critically, let's look at the armor of the Colonial Marines. Okay. Uh, we don't get to see it hold up to like small weapons fire, like what I would assume it's designed for. Um, yes. Because my assumption is it is intended to stop rounds up to a certain size, uh, much like current military wears out on deployment. Uh, it's designed to stop rounds up to a certain size, maybe stop some shrapnel, some flak. Um, sort of continuing the trend of, I don't, I think it was Vietnam is when troops started wearing flak jackets down yep. on the ground. Um in the air was a different story, I think, in World War II. They can't remember if they wore them over the Yeah, that that's yeah, the term flak jacket comes from World War II, where they literally yeah. wore it to protect bomber crews from the flak from AA yeah. guns. So but so like that common sort of armor for grunts on the ground started in like Vietnam and uh, has continued since then. So it only makes sense that in the 80s, they would have said in the future, they're going to be wearing some sort of personal armor. Um, and I love the fact that you bring up Vietnam because you cannot talk about the colonial Marines without bringing up the Vietnam War. Yes. Uh, because however cool they are, however futuristic their stuff looks, and James Cameron himself will admit to this and, and has before, the colonial Marines you're seeing in Aliens are straight up U.S. Army infantry on the ground in country in Vietnam. Yeah. The camo pattern, even though they're in space and there's not a fucking tree to be found in the whole goddamn movie, they're wearing uh, 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 a forest print camo. Their their gear is lots of OD green with, uh, you know, personal graffiti styled all over it. The helmet, despite the fact that it has lots of cool goodies and toys on it, is the exact helmet worn by soldiers in Vietnam. So that is very much the aesthetic of this crew is, is Vietnam. Yeah. And, and like you said, Jay, and this is going to be a running theme for them is what their gear was made to do for the most part. We don't really see it do that because the yeah. whole thing of aliens is they run into a threat. They are woefully ill-prepared for. Yes. Uh, and they have to react to that quickly on the fly. Um, but, so I think the biggest weak point with his armor and get me wrong. It's awesome looking armor. I hope to have some someday. And I'm sure it does great at the job it's designed for. But even then, there's some. The biggest design flaw for me is coverage. Yeah. It covers your chest, which is, you know, that's where your vital organs are. So that's good to protect that. Uh, that's the hardened plate stuff. You've got some overlapping shoulder stuff, but your arms are completely exposed. Yep. It covers your leg from about your ankle to your knee, but your entire, like, thigh is exposed and what's in your thigh femoral artery yep kind of an important part uh you do have thankfully <laughs> your soft not at all a catcher's mitt uh, or a catcher's uh, um pad definitely not baseball gear you have your soft armor to cover your um 
uh, tenders. Berries. Your tenders. Yeah. yeah, the family jewels. Um, <laughs> yep. Um, and then the helmet to cover your head, obviously. And the helmet, the helmet is great. As far as helmets go, this one's kind of like, you know, the bar is, is set by this helmet. Uh, it's got some great features. It's got some, I'm sure, some, you know, we, we never see a helmet fail. Um, but the armor itself, I think, leaves a bit to be desired. Uh, yeah. And I think part of that is uh, mobility over protection, which is always the trade-off with armor. Um I know Cameron designed it to have a few more pieces that they ended up dropping for the sake of mobility and actor's comfort. There was supposed to be like a neck piece uh, that they dropped because it was obscuring the faces of people. So um, yeah. that being said, we got a score of these. So uh, I was thinking uh, like a 10 point scale and okay. we'll add it up at 50 being a perfect score. Okay. So, 10 being this armor is perfect, one being this armor is useless. Where do you rate the Colonial Marines armor? Uh, like a solid seven. I would agree. It's not the best, but it's better than going in with just your skivvies. Yeah. And, and I know it does not do so great up against Xenomorph Acid Blood. But um, what does? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, moving on, uh, and I agree with you. I think I think seven is a solid score on that. Um, Jay, the next category, the arsenal. <sighs> Look, I you know, and I know I want to give it a ten, mm-hmm. uh, but I can't. Okay, what's holding you back, Boop? It's I don't know. Okay. I want to say variety, but they have a variety. Now I'm exactly. going to go ahead. And, I'm going to give it a ten. I'll give that a ten. I'm, I'm going to fully. Okay, oh, go ahead. Because I, I, I'm thinking of the other armies on our list, and um, I, I feel like Colonial Marines will have the most variety in weapons. And we're going to have a little bit of a, a, a learning curve when we get to some of these other armies. But as far as and again, this goes back to the they're based on army infantry units in Vietnam. Yes. And, and so the variety of weapons and it's not just like random assortment of weapons. It's like, you know, there's there's the the rifle uh, in a rifle company. You've got your pulse rifles, which are like your your sub in for what would now be an M16. Then you've got your squad automatic weapon, which is a smart gun. You've got your uh, uh, handguns for officers and whatnot. Um then you've got your incinerator units, which, again, I question the usefulness of those when you're in space and on colonies. But whatever, they look cool on films, so we're letting it go. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, at least it isn't a giant tank you wear in your back. It's one contained unit um, for just solid variety. Uh, the sentry guns are badass. Uh, the the grenades are a genius. Some, some, simplistic genius uh they both work as both rifle grenades for your pulse rifle but you can also pop the top off and, and you know click the uh detonator and toss it like a hand grenade uh <sighs> you were always an asshole gorman <laughs> <laughs> uh no I, I no matter how you slice it i mean they're not they may not all be perfect there may be some cooler designs and yep and and, and some more fancier you know bells and whistles on things down the road but their arsenal's not lacking. It's not their, you know, their weapons are very effective yeah. uh, on everything. Even when the xenomorphs are closing in on them, that pulse rifle will blow an alien apart, no problem. 
Yes. Uh, that is not the, the problem here. So I am with you full on 10. Vehicles, Jay. Um, Vehicles, I'm going to give it. They're kind of bare bones. I mean, yeah. everything they have gets the job done, but. I'm going to give it like, a, like an eight, seven and a half, eight. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, the Sulaco's cool. Yes. Potential. Uh, the dropship's cool, but we don't get to see its full potential. I mean, then the 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 APC is just like armored car. <laughs> um, yeah. So I it's apparently very weak axles. Yes. Yeah. You blew the transaxle, Ripley. You're grinding it's metal. Metal, man. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'll, I'll give it. I think uh, I think seven is fair. I was gonna be a little even, a little bit harsher, but I think seven's probably seven. Good. Seven yeah. sounds good. Yeah. All right, seven it is. Skills. Again, looking at their equipment, uh, I think their skill set is fits the equipment they've been given. And again, you've got to look at you know a, a platoon, a rifle platoon in Vietnam as sort of the basis for this. So, and again, the really the only time we really get to see them using those skills to their fullest is during the deployment to LV four two six. Yeah, from the second the dropship hits and deploys the APC, from the APC they follow up by units and you know uh, moving in you know from uh, leapfrog from cover to get to the doors, Hudson bypassing to open the door, um, searching the the compound. That's the tactics that they've been trained to do. Once they meet the alien, everything kind of the shit hits the fan. I'll I'll um, give their skills like an eight because okay. their skills are good. Like they have mm-hmm. good skills. They're well trained. It's just what we see them do is not what they were designed to do. You know what I mean? Exactly. So if we could see their skills in action against another team yeah. or something like that, that would be different. I would, might eight rank it skills? higher. I, I'll give it eight, though. I'm, I'm with you on that. The next one's going to be the hardest one to do, because for all these, it's going to be the hardest one to do, is yeah. the X factor. And I am biased, but I am leaning towards giving them a 10 on X factor. And here's why. As we've said throughout this, uh, the gear, their tactics, the weapons, we never get to see them really do what it was designed for and intended for because they come across the xenomorph, which changes everything. And yes, in the first encounter, they get their asses kicked, pal, just like I pointed out to us all. However, post that first encounter, when we've gone from a full-on platoon down to six Marines, um, if you count Gorman, um, and who really counts Gorman, we've only we've really got a handful of Marines left. we got Hicks, Vasquez, uh, Hudson, Gorman. Uh, shit, is that it? Yeah. Uh, we've only got a handful left. But that handful, the next time they encounter the aliens, even though the aliens, again, kind of catch them off guard because they come in and drop in through the ceiling, but that those that, that handful of Marines is able to hold off God knows how many aliens using four pulse rifles with 50 rounds each and a handful of grenades. Uh, They evolve very quickly. Uh, They they react to that situation very quickly. See, See, John, you said that their their X factor was camaraderie. I did. Right? What I would argue that their X factor is, is improvisation. That's a much better way to put it. Uh, and for that, I would give them a 10 
because they improv the shit out of that situation. And yeah, they lose pretty much everybody, but to get any survivors out of that situation is a win, <laughs> to be honest, to, to get anybody out off of that planet. I would consider it a win. So. I agree with you. So at the end of that round, our colonial Marines come out with a 42 out of 50. Not bad. Not too shabby. And that's why I wanted to put them first, because I do think colonial Marines for better or worse are kind of your standard. Yep. So now that we have that out of the way, let's get to, you want to do one on your list? Or you want to run through mine first? Uh, let's, we can go back and forth. Cause I, re- okay. I want to, all right. I want to blow your mind with this pick because okay. it's going to okay. be out of left field. All righty. Okay. John. Jason. What would you say if I said to you, you're not in Kansas anymore? The flying monkeys? <laughs> so my first futuristic army, army is a loose term. Uh-oh. They are a collaboration. Uh-oh. of individuals but what i have picked for my first one is the rda sec ops group rda stands for resource oh. development administration sec ops stands for security operations and if you're confused about what i'm talking about everything I'm... on pandora wants to kill you and eat your eyes for jujubes there you go I am freaking pick, buddy. I'm talking about the security force in charge of every of of security operations on Pandora. So, yes, other than a few lines of dialogue, you'd be like, no, these are just mercenaries. They're not really the U.S. Army. Uh, (laughs) No, it's flat out. It's the army in the future. Uh, And I love the fact that we're doing back to back Cameron. Fuck yes. Let's do this. (laughs) Uh, so I looked up a little bit about them. There's not a whole lot out there. I found what I could. Um, so what they are is basically they're made up of former military and some current military. But basically they are a private security group. So you could say mercenaries if you want for hire for this company who apparently is more powerful than most of the nations of Earth at the time. Uh, and what because they do is the unobtaining. yes, because they they yeah. <laughs> so they they go out to Pandora, this planet, uh-huh. to mine this, and of course they run into trouble, so they need a security force. Um, uh, and the security force is led by Colonel. Oh, I should have wrote his name down, but I can't remember. Uh, Colonel Badass. God, what is? That? <laughs> Sorry, I think Badass I... is his middle name, Jay. God. Uh, and I can't even think of the actor's name right now. Quattrich? Is like it Quattrich? Yeah, something like that. Uh, basically, the colonel on the commander, the guy in charge of everything. He's the head of operations for security. Uh, anyway, so what was the order? Armor? Yes. Well, here's the thing about armor. They, it's not really anything other than sort of your personal protective vest. Uh, because what I would consider armor, I'll get into for vehicles. Okay, so just just bear with me. So most of the grunts on the ground are out there in fatigues with, like, 
an armored vest <laughs> because the the foe that they are fighting it doesn't matter if you're wearing armor because their arrows are like six feet long and like three inches in diameter and will you know the colonel says hey they're tipped in a neurotoxin that'll kill you before you even know that it hit you well the thing went through you so it doesn't really matter if it's dipped in neurotoxin or not but i digress okay weapons was that next weapons yeah weapons again you're not i mean it's just sort of standard like what you see a lot of is what i would consider a futurized version of an m4 um looks so awesome they yes i just want to say uh because i know this is a podcast but yeah uh, if if you're a a gun enthusiast or just someone who appreciates a good fantasy weapon and you haven't seen avatar or haven't seen it for a long time just go reacquaint yourself with the weapon designs from this film they're awesome uh no you're good um again yes they are awesome they look really cool but it's not anything crazy. You know what I mean? They all look like they kind of have the same base. You've got your, you got your bull pup. You got, yeah, your, you got, you got to kind of put them in like video game category. Like there's, yeah. there's assault rifles. There's some SMGs. Do we see any yeah. shotguns? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, you've got your personal sidearms. You've got yep. Quattrich's giant, uh, freaking revolver from hell. Yes. Um, okay. But, your door guns. I'm just thinking out loud now. Yeah. Uh, where I think that the spec ops group or the the sec ops group really shines is in their vehicles. <laughs> okay. Okay. So first off, you've got the SA2 Samson, which is the twin rotor blade personnel carrier. It's got door guns on it. It's not armed. It's not an armed sort of thing. It's got, I think it's got missiles on the wings too. It's basically Avatar's version of a Huey. So yeah, it's future Huey, yeah. It is a future Huey, okay? Badass in its own sense. Then you step it up a notch with the Scorpion gunship. So basically the Scorpion gunship is the Samson trimmed down and bulked out with weapons. A lot more rocket pods, a lot more missiles, uh, machine guns. Okay. Almost like the Cobra attack helicopter and the Huey yes. from Vietnam. Almost Sounds like James Cameron's dipping back to that same well. Hey, I'm, not hating, right? I'm not hating yeah, on yeah. it. I'm not hating on it. Okay, then you've got the C-21 Dragon Assault Ship. That is the quad rotor badass thing that the colonel is sipping his coffee in when they take down Home Tree. Okay? Just think about that scene for a second. All those uh, Samsons and Scorpions and the Dragon Assault vehicle take down a huge tree. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's just a tree. No, that is a massive tree. It's a well, tree that- the size of a skyscraper. That thing is like a, a fucking flying a fortress with with rotors instead of you know like it feels like a, if if a, if a 
uh, B-29 was a helicopter instead of a, a, yes. a plane. That's <laughs> basically what that thing is. Hey, you might be wondering, John. What, yes. What's the C-21 Dragon that makes it an assault ship? The answer? Amp suits. Okay, amp suits came back. We talked about this in our mech episode. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head what amp stands for, but basically it's a badass mech yep. that you get in that yep. has some of the biggest weaponry ever. Uh, the colonel's got a giant knife on his, which is awesome. And it, it it's just, it, I mean, the dragon assault vehicle carries these amp suits. Like, that's its job. <laughs> so... I would say that the amp suit is more arm. I know not everybody's got an amp suit, but what they do have, the ones they do have, put a hurting on some units. Okay. Uh, let's see. What did I miss? Uh, skills. Armor. Skills. Okay. Skills. Well, Again, they're kind of in the same category as the Colonial Marines. They're like a squad-based sort of group. And we don't really, we don't see all of their skills on display. We only get to see one major firefight. And they're not so much broken up into, they're not broken down into squads. It's more of like one large platoon sort of patrolling through the woods. Yeah, they're, I would argue they're, they're, Despite what they may have been trained for in the military, in in SecOps, they're guarding the base and yeah. and securing uh, cargo transport. Essentially, is what they're there to do. They're there yes. to secure the mining operations. Um, so they're a smaller force because they're not meant to be, you know, an aggressive combat force. They're a security force. Yes. Um, but they've got enough toys to put a hurting on if need be. Right. Uh, so again, they're, like you said, their skills are more, Hey, let's keep an eye on this and make sure nothing goes bad. They can to get by, but it's not at the same level of intricacy as other future militaries that we'll see. Uh, lastly, X factor. Yeah. I would say that SecOps X factor is their unpredictability. Uh, okay. Mostly, mostly because they are commanded by a batshit crazy guy. <laughs> That's the nicest way to put it. <laughs> like the guy in charge of all of them is batshit crazy. How batshit crazy is he? He lights up the home of his enemy and chops down the tree for his boss while sipping on coffee and says, all right, let's go home after it's done. Uh, he, he holds his breath and yells at everybody in the command room that he's opening a door and kicks open the door and shoots at one of the Samsons with a revolver. Uh, yeah, the guy's crazy. He's He's crazy. So unpredictability is my X factor for them. So okay. there you have it. Okay. All right. So it was on the breakdown. So let's uh, circle back around armor. Uh, 
Um, yeah. And like you said, this is kind of the reverse of aliens. Aliens is, you know, they're, they're equipped for an enemy, one type of enemy, and they come across a whole different one. So their armor is kind of useless. Avatar is kind of the other end of the spectrum, which is they realize the, the, the Navi, because they're nine foot tall cat people, uh, the arrows they fire would be to humans, basically a spear. I mean, they're, they're like six feet long and, you know, like an inch and a half in diameter. They're huge. Uh, and, yeah. and the the wood of the home tree that they make it from is stronger than anything on Earth. So they're putting, you know, hundreds of pounds of, of uh, um, pressure on these these spear sized arrows as they're being launched. So they basically come to the conclusion any armor we could put on that would protect us from that is going to cost us too much mobility. So they've they've yep. ditched it. Uh, if you're going to get hit with a Navi spear, nothing's going to protect you. Just 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 take the hit. Um, uh, and I understand they kind of combat that with the amp suits, but the amp suits are kind of in their own category. So honestly, on armor, I want to rank them at like a five. Um, I, honestly, I would even say like four. Because <laughs> even, like, even, yeah, take the Navi in combat out of it. Even if you get lost in the woods on Pandora, the local wildlife is going to tear right through you. Yeah. The armor, you know, your yeah, your vest and your your BDUs aren't going to help you any. Uh, they've pretty much given up on armor. Um, so yeah, I, I yeah, four five. Uh, I don't want to be too harsh. No, I mean that's fair. Like, I give it. I'd say give it a four or five. Yeah, five being generous. Okay. Uh, let me start a tally and like because like even looking back through stills from the movie these guys are just wearing like combat vests like i don't even know if they have plates in them you know what i mean they're just yeah it's more like you know ammo carriers and stuff than it is like armor so all right yeah uh arsenal I'll be a bit more generous. I think they've got a good smattering of weapons. I think they've got what they need. They correct me if I'm wrong. They got flamethrowers, don't they? Uh, at least probably. One. I mean, I'm looking at like I got like a picture of like a bunch of different. Basically, it looks like they have a base similar to another army I'm, I've got later. They have uh-huh. one base weapon that's sort of been modified in different ways, and yeah. um. You don't get to see all of these. You only get to see a few in the movie. Right. But uh, I think their armament is pretty good for what they need, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to think of any gaps I can think of, like you know, a weapon type they don't have or can need for personnel stuff. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable giving them a 10. Uh, yeah, I'll agree with Maybe that. A, yeah, okay. All right. Uh, vehicles. <sighs> They're pretty well equipped for what for what they need. I mean, they've they've got essentially uh, we call it the Osprey, uh, but like the twelve the generations Osprey, down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Vertical take off a landing, like, more stable than a, like a helicopter. It's like if a Huey and an Osprey had a baby. Is yeah. like, yeah, you know. 
Um, and they've got a good smattering of of sizes on that, and you know, you've got your more cargo haulers and your combat style stuff, and then your giant fortress and your. Uh, and then they've got also got there's the the shuttle that brings them from the the spaceship down to the planet surface, which they repurpose into a bomber at the end of the movie. Uh, yeah. So apparently, it's capable of atmosphere flight as well. Um, not any ground vehicles I know of, but other than the amp suit, but but I yeah, but I would argue the fact that they have such a great fleet of flying stuff, and given the 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 topography of of Pandora, probably not missing anything. You, you'll right. get around that issue by flying. Um, I would give them eight? a nine. That's what I'm okay. gonna say. Okay. I would say a nine. Okay. Uh, I'll go with you. I'll give him a nine. I'm cool with that. So then we've got skills. Mm. Oh, this is where I waver a little bit. Um, they do the job they're there for. Again, yeah, we we don't know what exact. We we never really get to see them in their what they're trained to do. Whatever they were yeah. trained for before they became this. I mean, and it's just from memory from watching Avatar. Uh, when Jake first rolls in, we see like some cargo hauler, like dump trucks coming in, and there's like uh, arrows sticking out of the tires and stuff. So like they've they've clearly they've gotten into some skirmishes and they've seen some yeah. combat and they've protected the load. But we never really and. They're they're effective when they decide to go to war. Uh, yeah. They get the upper hand. They've got the surprise, and they're not, not really capable, you know, understanding what they're capable of. Um, but then they do get their asses handed to them. They <laughs> do. Uh, they so I would give them. Do. I want to give them like a six or a seven on skills. Or are we really far apart on that? No, I'm. I'll be nice, I'll give them a seven. Okay. So I don't think it's necessarily that they don't have skills. It's just that, again, like... Their skills are lacking? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's... there's, And again, because their job isn't... If their sole job was to go do combat with the Navi, they'd use a different skill set. But their job is to protect the cargo. So... Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they do protect the bomber. Till it delivers the payload. So significant losses, but they got the job done. So I don't know. Right. All right. Uh, then X factor. <laughs> Unpredictability. I'm going to push back on you there a little bit. Um, yeah. Quadridge is awesome. He's a badass. He's definitely got enough charisma that you can see these guys following him to hell and back. Um, but as far as unpredictable goes, He's ready to make war on the Navi from day one. And he's just looking for a reason to go in. He's tired of pussyfooting around. He's like, you, you put me here because you need the unobtainium, and they're sitting on the unobtainium. And I sent this Marine in in an Avatar body, and he's telling me there's no way we can negotiate with him. Let's just fucking blow the shit up. Like, I feel like he's just itching to go. He'd be more unpredictable if he decided to like sit down and compromise with him. that. I wouldn't have seen coming. 
but him going to war with him, he's definitely ready to go to war with him. And yeah, that's, in that's the fair. moment, he yeah. might be unpredictable. Like, yeah, <laughs> opening the hatch of the the um, operations door to fire at a helicopter with a pistol. Yeah, I wouldn't have called that. Um, <laughs> that's definitely some wild man shit. Um, that's fair. Yep. Honestly, the X factor I give him is is the tech on their side is vastly okay. superior to what. And, and granted, the Navi, that's the whole thing. It's just like nature versus tech thing. But like the fact that the amp suits exist and they've they had the foresight to bring them because with an amp suit, they can go toe to toe one on one with a Navi. Now, granted, I'm assuming the amp suits are expensive, which is why every soldier isn't using one. And again, if their whole thing was going to war with the Navi, I'm sure we see a lot more amp suits. But. I think the technology is their bigger, bigger X factor than un, unpredictability. Um, okay. And for that, because they do have the tech, but it, again, it's not quite enough to get the job done because everything they've got, there's something on the planet to counter them. Uh, almost as if it was written that way. Um <laughs> seven or an eight on the tech let's I'll, I'll go with you on the tech and say eight okay okay eight it is let me crunch some numbers then so armor was a 10 or sorry armor was four Arsenal was 10, vehicles was 9, skills 7, and X-Factor 8 for a grand total of 38 out of 50. Makes sense. They're about a... That'd be 76%. <laughs> I would give them a solid C grade. Yeah. A futuristic army. <laughs> uh. So, uh oh, Jay, yeah, are you ready to join the organization that made me the man I am today? Would I like everyone's to know more? doing their port, Jay? Would you like to know more? I would like to know more. Well, I'm doing my part. You cannot talk future military and not talk this because this is just sort of a chicken and the egg situation. While cinematically the Colonial Marines came first and definitely had a big impact on the film version of this property, talking about Starship Troopers, by the way. Um, literally, the novel Starship Troopers was required reading for anyone playing a Colonial Marine in the movie Aliens. So it's sort of a, okay, the movie came first as far as visualizing what they looked like, but the book came first as far as like the mentality. So they're kind of borrowing from each other. Uh, and I'm talking about the masterpiece that is Starship Troopers from 1997, the mobile infantry specifically. Uh, Lay it so, on us, John. Armor. Here we go. We've got the Federation body armor and the M3 tactical helmet. Uh, the body armor is an unknown material. It appears to be flexible, unlike the uh, clean ring, which is a very rigid armor. This is, is flexible. Uh, it incorporates a utility harness to hold ammo and grenades. 
The M3 tactical helmet uh, appears to be the same material, the un same unknown material as the body armor. It uh, incorporates communications into the helmet, a very popular feature you'll see a lot <laughs> throughout this episode, is including comms built into your helmet. Um, and that's about it for armor. Nothing on the legs, nothing on the arms. The, they've got your combat boots. The armor, it protects the chest down to the waist area, and the helmet protects the head. Um, now, kind of like with the Colonial Marines, what it's built for and what we see it doing, two different things, because they both end up into a fight with uh, an enemy they were kind of not predicting. Um, that being said... The armor's not bad, but we'll get to that. Sorry, let me move on. Let me get through this quickly. Sorry, I'm sorry. Um, that's all I could dig up on armor. Uh, there's a variant that I know Jay loves that is the the fleet armor. It's the exact same thing painted black with the fleet logo on it. Um, yes, it looks cooler, but as far as practicality, it's the same stuff. Arsenal. We have the Morita Assault Rifle, a 7.62 millimeter with a 160 round uh, capacity per magazine, bullpup design, longer barrel shorter weapon um they have an underslung uh eight gauge shotgun with 16 round internal magazine it also comes in a carbine and sniper variant uh the carbine doesn't have the shotgun it's a shorter version and then the sniper variant does i think have the shotgun uh but then also has a giant freaking scope on it yeah. Um, it has some that's clearly some kind of digital scope. Uh, we only really see it used once, but it's pretty badass. Uh, we also have the inclusion of the M55 rocket launcher with the tactical oxygen nuke, uh, which is a multi-purpose rocket launcher. The rocket we see them use in the film is the tactical oxygen nuke, which is essentially a miniature nuke without the radiation. All the boom, none of the fallout. Uh, and then, of course, the MX-90 frag <laughs> grenade. And that's about it for the arsenal. Um, we'll swing back to that in a little bit. Here's where I know Jay is going to lose it. Vehicles. <laughs> An entire fleet. Literally, <laughs> the fleet. Uh, I, I got lost in the well of different ship types from different movies and whatnot, but there are there in general. They have uh, faster than light capable transport ships uh, that are military. Uh, they have smaller drop ships. They have a fighter slash bomber support ship. Um, those are the things we see in the film. Uh, and we see an upgraded version of those th same ships at the end of the film. Um, but there is literally, and, and again, the Clambrians, we only see one. Um, and this one, we see the entire fleet going to work. We see bombardments of planets before they deploy troops. We see uh, fighter support coming in. We see drop ships in both uh, drop-off and pickup modes. Um, fleet does the drive-in, and they do it well. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what else to say about the fleet. Again, I didn't want to go into specifics because there's so many different types, but uh, they've got a fleet. Um, the, they have the fleet. <laughs> they do have the fleet. So then, moving on, sorry, we have then got our skills. And here's where things get a little different. And I know we might get some pushback on some people, um, because we're talking about Starship Troopers, the movie, now Starship Troopers. 
the novels and not Starship Trooper 3 Marauder. We're specifically talking about Starship Troopers from 1997. So sorry, guys. No cap suits. No, uh, or not cap, what do they call it? Jumpsuits. Um, oh. Yeah, sorry. They, they do not exist in this film. Uh, in fact, the tactics we see them using most predominantly are World War II style squad tactics, um, at least pre bug invasion. Uh, we see them practicing in their uh, cool laser tag games. Uh, and, and then when we see them deploy into combat, uh, and this is intentionally so because of the director and his history with World War II, but when they deploy on uh, Planet P and get their asses kicked, that deployment is intentionally meant to look just like storming the beaches in Normandy. Drop ships hit, ramp rolls down, they all rapidly deploy. Um, their, their tactics, this, once they... Go ahead. This is fact-checking with the doc. Okay. Uh, I get wrong already. When 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 John said Planet P, what he meant to say was Clendathu, which yes, is the big sorry. K. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> the first planet they go to. Um, <laughs> uh, well, so yeah, so uh, that seems to be pre- before meeting the bugs, and, and part of why they lose so badly is, is because those those tactics don't quite work against a giant insectoid army. That being said, I will give credit where credit is due post-Planet P invasion, where they get their asses handed to them, they do rapidly redo their tactics. And from then, we see uh, planetary bombardment, followed by MI mopping up. And by that, we literally mean putting uh, just a ridiculous amount of firepower onto a target. We see them corralling uh, uh, and using fire, old-school firing lines and an overwhelm and envelop style of combat. Uh, where they draw the bugs in and then catch them in a trap and just literally overwhelm the bugs with firepower, uh, which proves highly effective later on down the road. Um, X-Factor. Obviously, they've got superior technology in that they have technology. One could argue the bugs have a one-up on them because the bugs are born warriors. But I think where this really comes down to is, first of all, their learning curve. Uh, which is in no doubt uh, helped out because of the fact that their military intelligence division has literal freaking psychics. So, yep. yeah, they got that going for them. Jay, let's score this. Armor, what do you think? Ah. Uh... Hey. All right. This falls in the same sort of vein as the um uh colonial marines. Do yes. they have armor? Yes. Does it work against small arms? Probably. Did it stop them from a bug just ripping straight through them? Absolutely not. So its intended purpose does it work? It probably could. Did it work in this case? Not quite. So <clears throat> I would almost give them the same thing I gave the Colonial Marines, which was what? Seven? Eight? Uh, seven? I believe so, yeah. Seven. Seven. I think um, that's fair. Um, and yeah. yeah, it's it's when they come up against the bugs, this shit is, I mean, the bugs go through it like a fucking hot knife through butter. So yes. And, and is it effective against uh, small arms or whatever? Maybe we never really see it used for that, but we know as far as the bugs go, it might as well be window dressing because it doesn't do any good. Um, but yeah, it does protect the, it's the bare minimum. It protects the chest, 
and the head. Uh, vital organs only, which I guess in a world where we have cool robotic limbs, <laughs> I guess limbs aren't that important to protect. Uh, I don't know. Um, moving on to Arsenal. Yep. And I know you love the Brita, and I love the Brita. The is a cool gun. Yes. But that's about all they've got. Right. It's not... It's not a pulse rifle. I know that's sad to say, but it's not. It's not a pulse rifle. Uh, I want to give them, like, a, an 8. Just because of... I mean, it's really? got good variety for the Merida. Yeah, what would you give it? Honestly, for their arsenal, I'm leaning towards, like, a 6. Because, honestly, all they've got is the Merida, man. And it's a cool yeah. weapon, but that's it. I mean, look at the... We, we gave... so. We gave Colonial Marines a perfect 10 because of yeah. why variety and not yes. just having lots of options, but having people on, you know, dedicated to those weapons and trained to use those weapons and incorporating those weapons into their tactics. When they get to Planet P and they're attacking the bugs, weapon. And the weapon is effective in, in big numbers, but that's it. We yeah. never see a squad automatic weapon. Uh, we see, yeah, the, the nuke launcher is cool, but that's kind of overkill for one bug. Uh, the shotgun has a lot more effect taking down a bug quickly, but we never see them rolling out with like full auto tactical shotguns or shit. You know, like uh, yeah. the breed is cool, yeah. but that's, that's about all they've got. They've got all one right, gun. I'll, I'll come down to you on the six. I'll, I'll meet you there at six. Okay. And it hurts me to say that because again, the breed is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and 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 I love that, but it's it, it's also kind of awkward. It's big. It's a big gun. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with big guns, John. No, there's not. Jay. There's not. We're carrying no. lots of them. Okay, you never can have enough guns. Jay has them <clears throat> strapped to every surface on his body. Uh, so <laughs> here's where they're gonna make up some points. Vehicles, Jay. Ten. Do we like, even you got debate? A, you got a fleet. Ten. Like ten. Yeah, no, again, like, do we even need to debate? They they, they have got, uh, where they make up in weapons, or sorry, but they lack in weapons, they make up for with the fleet, uh, yeah. with with multiple different uh, types and, and, you know, dedicated service. And, and yeah, no, the fleet gets a solid 10. Um, no argument here on that. Skills. Uh, this is a little, a little harder. Skills, I think with I this... Skills is more like an individual basis, I think, for them. Because, yes, yeah. they've all got the same training. But where they really shine is people, you know, Johnny Rico is using his, you know, jump ball high school training. And Dizzy is the commander is calling high school jump ball plays. And we see, you know, Carmen Abanez is a great pilot because she's individually a great pilot. Uh, she's got the math skills. Uh, right, Jay? I, you, know, you know, it just clicked to me, Jay. It just clicked to me why you love fleet so much. Big <laughs> ships, you got to be good at math to be a pilot. Huh. Huh. Um, yeah. Uh, for skills, I want to give them, like, I want to give problem, them seven. Like, six might be like, too harsh. Yeah. Because the individual skills... They put to good use, but that that's very inconsistent. I mean, how many soldiers yes. are just cannon fodder before you get to the next Johnny Rico? Right, a lot. I mean, yeah, you you saw what happened on on Big K. Um, I did. Uh, goddamn bugs whack this Johnny. Uh, 
So are you good with the six? Six. Seven, okay. six, seven. I'm going to give him six. a six. 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 <laughs> and then X Factor. What did you say their X Factor was again? Uh, military intelligence has psychics. Uh, give them a nine. Wow, really? Yeah, eight. Nine, eight. I was gonna say eight because the the psychics don't really help them much at first. Once no. they get their hands on some, you know, a brain bug, things begin to change. But uh, you can you can take off an arachnid's arm, and he's still seventy eight percent combat combat effective. Here's a tip: aim for the nerve stem, put him down for good. Pretty sure it's eighty six percent, but okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's been a while. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. You're going to correct me on planet names. I'm going to get you. Okay, listen. This planet names sniping are sniping each other for who remembers Charge and Troopers better. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, eight's good. I, I'll uh, okay. eight. I'm good with that. I'm good with the eight. I'll give it that. So this will probably come in as our yeah. lowest army. Well, yeah, but not by much. So with everything totaled together, we are looking at 37 for the mobile infantry. So that's 74%. That's a C. That's solid C. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jay. <laughs> Hit me up with well, your next Well, John. Yes, Jason. John, I, I think with this next pick, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring the average up a little bit. Okay. Okay. At least I hope it brings the average up a little bit because I am very fond of this army. Um, this army is not the one that immediately comes to mind when you say the name Star Wars. But okay. if you're a if you're a fan of the TV shows like I am, and I know you are, you've seen this army in action a lot. Mm-hmm. And what I'm referring to is the Army of the Republic, the Grand Army of the Republic, also known as the Clone Army or Clone Troopers. Uh, So the clone troopers were first sort of commissioned by, um, was it Sifo-Dyas? Yep. Uh, Master Sifo-Dyas. And then after he died, it was taken up by uh, Count Dooku and uh, Emperor Palpatine to sort of play as like puppets in his giant thing. But what he didn't expect was the camaraderie that would come between a lot of clones and their Jedi uh, generals. But anyway, so the clone army was created by genetically cloning a host who just happened to be a badass Mandalorian foundling, uh, Jango Fett. So this grand army of the Republic was created on Kamino. Okay. So first Jay. of all, armor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Enough backstory. Get to it. Sorry. Sorry. I get I get I got caught up. I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway, so to get into it, armor. What they have is now hold on, I gotta ask. A, You're talking yeah. clone troopers. So which yes. phase clone trooper armor are you talking? We're talking like phase one slash phase two. No, 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 no. Which one? Phase one. There's different phase one. Phase okay. one clone armor. Okay. Thank you. So phase one clone armor is a plastoid alloy, alloy composite 
uh, made up of was it 20, 20 form-fitting plates uh, and attached to a bodysuit. Um, basically, their armor, including the helmet, is pretty much full coverage. They pretty much have full coverage. But not only do they have full coverage, they also have mobility. Like, if you've seen some of the clones move around in their armor, they're not really restricted. Um, so, armor, phase one, plastoid, and if you if you listen to what Rex says, nothing gets past a phase one clone armor. Okay, weapons. So, everything is basically an iteration of the DC-15 blaster rifle. Okay, the DC-15 is the main sort of model, but there are different variants of it. So there's the DC-15A, which has got the uh, shoulder stock and sort of longer barrel with a foregrip. There's the DC-15A blaster carbine, which is the handheld um, sort of precursor to the E-11 that the... Uh, Stormtroopers use in this the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. uh, the DC-15 LE, which is sort of a heavy version of it. It fires a little heavier bit of round. Uh, you have the DC-15X sniper rifle. Um, and then there's also the DC-15S sidearm blaster, which I think is what Rex carries two of. I believe you're correct. Okay. So, you know, there's variety, but it's all the same, if that makes sense. Like, it's the same Variation base model. on the same platform. Yes. Okay. Now, <laughs> here's where things get real fun. Equipment and vehicles. Okay. So, most, <laughs> most of what you see... In Clone Wars, they have an ATTE, uh, which I can't remember what the acronym is. It's all terrain, some turn something. Okay, it's the <laughs> six legged dude. <laughs> it's a little six legged uh, mini ATAT. They have speeder bikes. They have the ATRT, which is the little personal walker that you see in um, Revenge of the Sith, where they're searching mm -hmm. Kashik. Uh, they have the Low Altitude Assault Transport, or the LAAT, which I refer to as the gunship. They have too many fighters and starfighters to list, honestly. <laughs> they have shuttles. <laughs> okay, they have shuttles. They have attack shuttles. I mean, the... Um, oh, God, I can't think of their name. The Bad Batch has their own special attack shuttle. Uh, and then the question is, how do they get from place to place with all this equipment? Easy answer. The uh, Venator-class Star Destroyer. So, so they have a, a damn Star Destroyer to get them from place to place. And not only do they have one, they have one for every clone company, basically. Uh, so, like, Anakin and his 501st have their own Venator-class Star Destroyer. So, just think about how many are out there. Okay, skills. Well, this is also where it gets fun. Because not only do you see large, 
full-scale battles of platoons and sort of field commanders and ranks of like lieutenant, captain, commander, general, things like that. You also have smaller groups like the Bad Batch who sort of operate independently. You have clone commandos who are basically the Navy SEALs of the clone troopers. Uh, you've got artillery. You've got transport. You've got pilots. <sighs> the list goes on and on. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, for my X Factor, my X Factor is actually that. the Even though they're all clones of the same host, they kind of have their own personality. And the variety of types of troops that they have. They're not just grunts on the ground. These clones are pilots. These clones are commandos. There's special ops. You've got Clone Force 99. Is what they had their own genetic alterations to make them a special group to go fight. Like, who do you call when shit really hits the fan? You call Clone Force 99, which is the Bad Batch. <laughs> and they'll get shit done for you. Nice. So, the Grand Army of the Republic. Sorry, I, I Scott coxed there a bit at the beginning. With the, it happens to the best of us. You get me rolling on armies and weapons and shit. I can't help it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, phase one armor. What do you think, John? So, this is hard because it's Star Wars. Yeah. So. The armor looks cool. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and and we're told by like Rex and them that their armor, you know, is, is way better than Stormtrooper armor. Uh, that's something they complain about a lot. Um, but armor in Star Wars is kind of like a running joke because it doesn't really do anything. So yeah. it's hard um, to judge. Unless it's Beskar. Exactly. Like, that's the only armor we see actually, like, deflect blaster bolts is Beskar armor. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to judge against it because of that. Because, you know, it, it's, it looks cool. Uh, it's definitely, you know, intimidating when you're going into battle. Um, uh, I would say that so far, it's got the best coverage out of any of the armors Absolutely. Yes. It, it covers... I mean, there are very few bits of the body. The full chest, uh, full legs, full arms, um, down to almost the knuckles, uh, head. Yeah, definitely. So throw durability out because, like, you know, we, we've said multiple times, we don't really see a lot of this armor doing what it's supposed to be doing. So right. we'll just assume it can do what it's built for. You know, if, we, if we're assuming... Uh, mobile infantry armor can stop bullets and in in clean marine armor can stop bullets then it's only fair to assume that the, the clone armor can deflect you know droid blaster stuff so we'll just go by coverage and you're right they've got the best coverage of any armor we've had so far uh, i'm gonna give them a nine on armor okay um, i would agree and i'll agree with that because like and 
I know I'm combining live action with like the cartoon, but I don't really see any mobility loss from clone no. troopers using it. Uh, and, I mean, it, it's even adopted uh, in in part anyway by uh, the Jedi generals later on in the war. So it's got to be good. Uh, Obi Wan at one point basically wears everything but the helmet. So ability can't be lacking, or the Jedi wouldn't be using it. Uh, the only thing I'm not giving it a perfect 10 for is effectiveness. Because, again, yeah, it might deflect, but it's not going to stop a head-on blast. And, and, and that's, you know, it's not not perfect for that. So, yeah, it does. It You do lose clone troopers. Like, their clone mm-hmm. troopers do die. So it's not perfect. And that's what I was, I was going to say, like, an 8 or a 9. So... I would agree. Can, I'm going to give it a nine. I'll go with I a nine. I think it it again just just for coverage. It, it covers head to tail. It's it's great. Um, yeah. So we'll move on to Arsenal. And like you said, it's a lot of variation on the same design. That yeah. one design's pretty good. Um, I don't know, man. It's hard. It's also hard because this is the first time we're dealing with something that fires other than like a variation of of, of modern ammo. Is great. It, it's it blaster bolts. So, well, so, and the, here's the thing: is like you're standardizing it for everybody, and right. like there's no there's no. I don't want to say no special, but there's basically no special variations of it. So basically, well, the only got thing the same I, I might weapon. give, I might give them a, a little bit of a bump. The other armies we've talked about have to stop to reload. I've yeah. never seen someone have to stop to reload a blaster. I know uh, technically they run on some kind of battery, but like I've never seen anyone have to reload a weapon in Star Wars. And if you think about, like, I know we play uh, Battlefront, mm-hmm. where it overheats. Right. Like, that would be the only thing I would think of, is it overheating. Um, I'm going to go nine, man. Okay. Um, no, you know, I was gonna I'm say gonna, eight. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go eight. I'm gonna go eight. eight. Um, just because, like you said, it's essentially a lot of the same weapon, and that's kind of what we docked the the mobile infantry for. Um, right. even though these guys have variations too, so we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, vehicles, uh, dude. Um, <laughs> if we gave them an mobile infantry fleet a perfect, yeah, uh, we're gonna go ahead and give a 10 with an asterisk. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, it's freaking Star Wars, um, like yeah. So, uh, I mean, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Skills. Yeah. Um, man, your basic clones might not be the best, and the only thing I might knock them for is they're not pure clones. So certain aspects are, are weeded out of them, like the individuality and sort of the rebelliousness you get with with, with Jango Fett because they're meant to yeah. be soldiers, not bounty hunters. That being said, the specialized, like, you know, like the ARC troops and, you know, Commander Cody and all them, uh, the Bad Batch are an obvious example, but they're kind of different. They're kind of genetic. Um yeah. Within that, you get some highly effective soldiers, and and 
very well trained in taking down clankers. Uh, and this is this might be an example of it's the first time we've seen an army actually battling the enemy they were literally built to fight. Yes. So <laughs> that might be why we're favoring them so much. Um, God, uh, eight. Yeah. And the only reason I dock them is is we've they've got those pesky inhibitor chips that are going to come. Yeah. You know, <laughs> into play at some point. Something. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> something like that. You can argue they're genetically engineered to be great soldiers. You can also argue they're genetically engineered to uh, self destruct at some point. So I don't know. Yeah. And then uh, X Factor. And what did you have for X Factor? I just said like it, like their variety of abilities, like the fact that. They're clone. The clones aren't just grunts. Like right. You've got pilots. You've got everybody going into something different. Right. I mean, the majority is going to be grunts. But you can. Um, I mean, you could almost even say that the X Factor is Clone Force ninety nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it's just one group of five guys, but damn. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think X factor for the clone troopers. Maybe the X factor is it, that they're led by the Jedi. Like I would say that I don't want to give to them because that's yeah. not they don't they're not Jedi. Right. Um I would say their X factor is literally they were custom built for this. Like yeah. this army was made to fight clankers and they're damn good at fighting clankers and and uh, yeah, I don't know how. Yeah, nine, ten. All right, I'm done with that. Okay, nine. I I'd give them a nine. It's okay. not quite a ten because they're not like they do a great job of fighting the clankers, right? But they also don't handedly win every battle. That is true. Uh, so. <clears throat> They do fight an enemy that adapts and changes a lot. There's lots of new types of droids thrown at them, and they do have to kind of deal with that. So yep. we'll go with that. Uh, all right, then. So that totaled up. Armor 9, Arsenal 8, Vehicles 10, Skills 8, X-Factor 9 comes to a grand total of, if I can ugh, do math, 44. Ooh. Uh, that puts them in the B-plus territory. Yes. Yes, it does. So final for the show and i will get through this as quickly as possible because i know we're getting a little short on time uh we should have known this this should have been a two-parter for us <laughs> uh the last one i want to get to um because i was trying to stick with kind of a theme uh, which is why I'm, i love that you pulled out the, the avatar forces because they fit this perfectly um futuristic military you take the colonial marines you take some starship troopers you take all that has come before and you meld them together inside of a video game and you get the un the united nations space command unsc spartans who are not just future soldiers they are much like the clones we just talked about genetically altered human super soldiers We'll come to that in a minute. But first, let's get to the armor. Because I'm trying to keep this quick. They have, first of all, 10 out of 10 for the naming on this. They have the Mjolnir Powered Assault Armor. Uh, 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 uh. 
also known as the Spartan suit. Yes, titanium <laughs> nanocomposite bodysuit, titanium plating outer layer for the vital areas. So you get your soft black suit, which in itself is armor. Then you've got your plates over the vital areas. Um, and then is equipped with an energy shield system on the Mark V and higher, which is reverse engineered from their enemies. Uh, Jay, you'll appreciate this. Magnetic weapon holder strips. Who needs a holster or straps? Just slap it to any hard part of the armor and it'll stick. I like it. I thought you would. Uh, <laughs> the suit is a contained system to allow use in outer space. Uh, and comes with the helmet comes with a communication array and a heads-up display to give them tactical information when needed. Uh, that is sort of the Mjolnir powered assault armor. Moving on to arsenals. I'm trying to get through this quickly. Um, I quit trying to do individual weapon types and I just focused on, because again, it's a video game, uh, um, weapon classes. Of any of the weapon classes I'm about to name, there's at least three to four variants. We have assault rifle, battle rifle, sniper rifle, submachine gun, shotguns, pistols, rocket launchers, grenades of multiple types. I'll single one out. The MA5A, sorry, MA5B, uh, which is the, the assault rifle. 7.0 millimeter full metal jacket rounds, 60 round capacity, bullpup design with an electronic heads up display featuring ammo count and heading. Um, and again, I I didn't pull it up, but the Halo pistol is fucking synonymous with overpowered. Um, so anyone who played the original Halo, when I say Halo pistol, you know, oh yeah. I'm just going to take it. It's got a 2x zoom and I can snipe people from across the map with the pistol. Why use anything else? Uh, but again, it's a video game. So depending how deep into the games you want to get, but literally every weapon type I just named, there's at least three or four variants of that weapon within this. And that's just sticking to the human UNSC weapon classes. That's not even getting in the, the Covenant or the Forerunner or the other alien weapons you can pick up. We're not talking needlers and plasma pistols here. We're just talking UNSC weapons. Um, skills they are literally superhumans they are trained from childhood to be perfect soldiers uh, they are trained to be essentially a one man army uh, we call green berets force multipliers these are the force uh, you drop Spartans into areas uh, where, where conflict is raging and they will put down the conflict. You put a few of them together, forget it. They might as well be an army of themselves. They are, when humanity encounters the Covenant, they are the only effective weapon against these alien super things. And that's also my X factor, is they are literally one-man armies. And I skipped a step, but I'm sorry. Vehicles. Um, again, it's a video game, so I tried to keep this light. I'm going to name types of weapons or vehicles, and I might have some specific callouts. They have everything from starfighters like the longsword to dropships like the yeah, uh, carriers, cruisers, destroyers, frigates. They the UNSC has its own fleet, yeah, on par with the mobile infantry. Maybe not quite on par with the the, the clone troopers. Um, but you name a ship type that you need, and they've got it somewhere in the arsenal. So there is my very quick rundown of the Spartans. You ready to give it some grades, Jay? Yeah. Armor. 10. 
no doubt 10 out of 10 as coverage <laughs> effectiveness and the fact that even even the titanium the suit alone would probably get a 10 for me but the fact that it has a built-in energy shield generator yeah you, it, it, <laughs> yeah there's no top yeah that. Um, yeah arsenal i am also gonna vote 10 because again there's nothing they don't have in their arsenal and yep. there's nothing that isn't effective at the job it's meant to do. Yeah. Okay. Vehicles. Um, maybe not as many in style as other ones, but they've got all the classes. Uh, definitely more bare or less bare bones than some other ones, but not quite as extravagant. Yes. Shut up. I'm okay. listen. Okay. I'm. I'm gonna give it a ten based on one thing only. Mm -hmm. The warthog. I didn't even mention the word you're right. <laughs> hey, Griff, stupid yeah. thing. How about that? You got you 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 got a giant all-wheel, all-terrain dune buggy with a minigun on top of it. It's ah. damn near indestructible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you flipped it? Flip it back over. Hop <laughs> back in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How can you flip it over? Because you're a damn Spartan in super armor. Flip Ooh. that bitch over. Let's go. <laughs> ah, yeah. So there you go. All right, then. Skills. <sighs> I don't want to give him a 10 for everything, so I'm going to give him a 9. <laughs> you read my mind, Jay. <laughs> we'll give him a 9. <laughs> Fine. I'm cool with that. Because, um, like... Yeah, they got skills, but also I know that there's super troops designed for that, but also how much of that is their suit as well. Right. Like, yeah, the suit is great. Uh, and, and that is one thing. It's hard to separate the two because the two together are invincible. But even without the armor, they're super enhanced human beings. It's essentially an army of of Steve Rogers. You know, it's the dream yeah. we had in World War II. Um the thing I'm going to knock them for uh, is is X-Factor, because I think in this case, the X-Factor can also work against them. And the X-Factor I listed is they're a one-man army. Yeah. Which is awesome, but they're also only an individual. Um, we see them working together in squads, but most of the time when you see a Spartan or you see John, uh, you know, Spartan 117, he's commanding regular Marines. Um you do see them working together a lot in Reach, which is my favorite of the games. Um, and they're they're awesome when they work together, but you don't see that as often. I think their downfall is they are trained to be such a amazing singular combat entity that that's also their detriment, is they are always alone, always outnumbered, um, always fighting off an enemy with superior numbers and sooner, you know, there's only so long, even a superhuman can keep that up for. So X factor, I think I'm going to give him like seven. Okay. That's fair. Okay. All right then. So we leave anything out. I don't think so. So we've got 10 for armor, 10 for arsenal, uh, nine for skills. 10 for vehicles, 7 for X-Factor. Put that together. It gives you a 46. I believe we have a winner. 92%. I would agree with that. That's an A army right there. You get an yes. army. Go ahead. You, get a, you just get. It's like the movie 300. 
you've got 300 Spartans leading an army of, or sorry, it's a thousand Spartans leading an army of 10,000 Greeks or something. Like, you get an army of five Spartans. Shit's gonna happen. <laughs> what are you gonna do? So, just to recap everything we just did, lowest to highest, uh, worstest to bestest, we have mobile entry at 37. We have the Avatar Security Force at 38. We have the Colonial Marines at a 42. We have the Clone Troopers at 44. And we have our most badass of badass future armies, the UNSC Spartans. Sounds like a sports team when I say it like that. The UNSC <laughs> Spartans at 46. And there you here's, go. Here's something that's going to bake your noodle. Okay. What if you had Commander Rex? Or is it Captain Rex? What if you had Rex in a Spartan suit? Mm, I'd rather have a Quattrich in a Spartan suit. <laughs> No. I'd rather have Quatrich from Avatar in a Spartan suit. Can I have that? Oh, God. God, no. What? No. Jesus. No, oh, no. Two, two OP? Okay, sorry. Oh. oh. <laughs> we have nightmares about that. <laughs> okay, sorry. Sorry, buddy. Sorry. Jesus. So there you have... <laughs> There's our ranking. Uh, did you enjoy the episode? We hope so. Uh, are there any other armies you want to see us rank? Do you have issues with what we rank them? Let us know in the comments. This was fun. Maybe we'll do it again if we can come up with some more armies. Uh, maybe we'll do it with just fleets next time. I don't know. We'll solve that. Who would win? Starfleet or uh, Star Ooh. Wars or the Empire? We could do robot armies. That would be fun. Maybe we'll do that next. We'll get that ready for next time. Scott Cox isn't here. Uh, so... There you have it. That's our list. Uh, let us know what you think. Thank you for listening. And until next time, this has been your weekly Nerd Alert.